This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning. So hit the subscribe button, consider sharing this episode with your team, and let's join Brandon Stewart for another vital conversation for all of us who lead from the middle. second welcome back to season four of the leading second podcast so excited you're here today my name is brandon stewart and for my wife Lindsay and i it is the honor of a lifetime uh to have you a part of our tribe that we have called leading second you know we have such a heart in this season to see local churches healthy in a season that has seen so much disruption in some ways uh so much attack uh, i just pray that these weekly conversations offer a bit of life and health into your world. We love the church. We believe the church is still God's plan A. It's his bride, his focus. There is no plan B. So if you have a heart to build the church, welcome to this space. I read an interesting report recently uh, from churchexecutive.com. And in it, it shared uh, some really interesting research that said this, 73% of churches report that their staff was unified on a plan on how to run their church during COVID-19, 73%. I thought that sounded pretty high. However, the same study also showed that only 9% of churches felt they had experienced no divisiveness in regards to the same topic. In other words, there were plans and strategy that were coming together around leadership teams and being agreed to in leadership rooms, and yet we are seeing in the church high levels of division around those plans, everywhere from reopening to masks to how to approach different issues we're facing, all of it, division running so high. You know, I continue to believe that division is the greatest enemy the local church is facing in this hour. In fact, we have an entire episode dedicated to this subject uh, toward the end of season three with John Morgan that you should check out if you haven't. I'm bringing this up today to say this. I am praying that part of the residue of leading second in this season will be to call us higher as leaders in this season and be leaders who can lead churches toward unity. It is truly the most essential quality of a healthy church in this hour, Jesus himself, in, in fact, said that the world would know us and that we would be distinguished by our love for one another. I, I know we have our challenges. I know there's a time and a place uh, for debate and to wrestle through those challenges. However, side note, I highly doubt that Instagram stories and Facebook posts are the right place for that debate, but that's for another conversation we'll have later. Uh, but I believe that our tribe of leading second leaders all over the nation, all over North America can be part of the solution in this hour. And that's what I'd like to call us to today. So if you're here and you're still standing and you're leading as a part of God's church, you are essential to God's plan, God's purpose. And I believe one of the greatest things you can do is lead others and lead your church toward unity in this hour. Certainly division um, is lurking right around the corner, attempting to take a swipe at all of us. 
So we love you. So glad you're here today. Uh, before we get into today's conversation, which I am so excited to share with you, by the way, uh, we had another great question coming from a listener that I wanted to tackle. We had a great conversation about it recently. So uh, let's check out this question that came in. Well, hey, I am here with Matt from Ohio. Uh, say what's up to everybody, Matt. What's up, everybody? Hey, so good to talk with you today. Love what God is doing through you on your team. Uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about you and where you're coming from today? Yeah, so all the way in Chillicothe, Ohio. I know nobody's ever heard of Chillicothe, Ohio. No. Uh, we are about an hour south of Columbus at Centerpoint Church. Lead pastors, Chris and Kristen Van Buskirk. It's been so good to talk with you here and there over the last year. And um, I, you're right, I've never heard of your location, Ohio. <laughs> you're not alone. <laughs> yeah, I figured. I figured. Hey, you had a great question that you sent in to uh, our team. Why don't you share that with everybody? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Brandon. So, you know, for the, for the last year, gosh, I can't believe it's been a little over a year now since uh, COVID really started in quarantine. And, and so some of the questions that keep coming up were, what were your numbers like pre-COVID? And my question to you is, when do we no longer worry about what was and start focusing on what is so that we don't chase numbers or goals and, and fall back into bad habits? Yeah, I, man, I see this every single day. I am so glad you asked this question. Is there anything specific that you saw or experienced, I guess, that led you to asking that question? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we've actually, this we've started and stopped uh, in-person gatherings uh, two or three times now since mm -hmm. last uh, March. And uh, so we just see it, you know, in, in our people's eyes, our leaders' eyes, our team's eyes, and in other circles I'm in. And so it's really just this question on keeping people on mission. And you see it in their eyes, like who's here, where did they go, and who who are these all these new people? Because I don't see everybody who's masked up. So it's really a question on uh, culture, on mission, and team morale. Yeah. Yeah, such a good question. Um, I was thinking about this one. And uh, here's a couple of things that I think I've been reminding myself over the last season. And that is that growth mode is something that we've been used to, I think, in the local church in the last couple of decades. But I can't find a biblical case for that's always the plan of God for us to always be up and to the right. In fact, I don't think Jesus' ministry even himself was always up and to the right. There was a day where so many people left Jesus where he looked at his own disciples and said, are you going to leave me too? You know, I, I mean, you think about how drastic the cut must have felt that day or the decline must have felt that day. But I don't see Jesus getting hot and bothered about it. I see him understanding that there is a time and a season for everything. In fact, that's a verse I wrote down for this. Matt was Ecclesiastes three and one, which says there is a time and a season for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens. And, and that's not just growth activity. That's also, you know, possibly moving the other way. You think of someone taking care of a garden or a plant, you're going to have growth and fruit seasons, but you're also going to have winter and pruning seasons. And so I just think we're in one of those right now. We're in one of those seasons where it's a shaking, pruning, 
winter season and we've got to feel comfortable in that season, knowing that God knows where we're at. He knows what we're facing. Uh, and I believe is with us and, and, and just may not be asking us, you know, to do things that we're putting pressure on ourselves to do. Uh, I think something I'd want to say, Matt, to, to you, but to every leader, I guess, listening to this conversation is that your church is growing right now. It's just happening differently than it has previously, or you might be used to, but make no mistake. Your church is growing. There is new awareness happening in the community. There's also probably new depth happening in certain areas. Neither of those things, though, are necessarily going to show up on a weekend report butts in seats, especially with everything we're facing. So we've got to focus our teams on a new and a right target, realizing we are growing growth. uh, It just looks different than maybe how it's looked in the past. And I think we just need to redefine that win for our team in this season because you're bringing up the idea of morale. People need to see when and how we actually are winning right now um, in this season. Does that make that make sense? You know, just the, the idea of, of a, a new and a better target for people. And I think too, Matt, if I, I know that you know, talking to leaders is like talking to a bunch of, you know, type A people, you know, you know, a lot of times and telling them to slow down and tap the brakes is not always like everybody's first instinct, but we need to take the pressure off of ourselves and more importantly, take the pressure off of our teams to be somewhere at in this season. Like, like there's somewhere we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be at 66% of pre COVID numbers, or we're supposed to be maintaining the same number of small groups we had, or like, where did that supposed to come from? Like, did it come from God or did it come from your type A personality? And I think we need to be really honest with, I think unintentionally and even at a good motive, we can place pressure and we can place this like this this expectation on our team, you know, realizing um, they are not or failing to realize rather that they may not be able to to walk in that. God can do a lot with a remnant. He can do a lot with a few. He can multiply t- two loaves and or, you know, a couple of loaves and fish for five thousand. I mean, God can do a lot with a little. And maybe there's just a win in there we need to focus on rather than putting some, you know, some artificial pressure on our team that doesn't need to be there from the beginning. I don't know. I just hope some leaders find some freedom in this season. I know you probably agree with that as well. Amen. That's that's really good, Brandon. So anyone listening today, just consider how we can focus our teams And the people we lead on a new and a better target in this season and realize if God's doing some pruning, if God's doing some shaking, it's okay. He's just preparing for a new harvest in your future. Amen. Well, hey, I'm so excited to welcome our guest back uh, to the podcast today. Julian Lowe is the lead pastor of Oasis Church in Los Angeles. Uh, However, when I met Julian, uh, he was the executive pastor in the church that he now leads. He's one of my friends that 
I feel like has seen both sides of the coin leading from the second chair as well as from the lead seat. And I'm always fascinated by talking to pastors who have been on both sides of that role. Today, the question we're going to chase down is what does a healthy, effective leader look like in the coming season? As with every episode this season, there are questions available in the show notes, in email if you receive that, or in the podcast description for you to use with your team. This conversation is not just for you, it's for your entire team. Uh, So we'd encourage you to take this episode to heart, share it with your team, wrestle through the big question. We believe it'll help you and help you move forward in this season. So here we go. Uh, Without any further ado, here's my conversation with Julian Lowe on what does a healthy, effective leader look like for the coming season. Let's go. Well, Julian, what's up? Uh, So good to have you back on the podcast today. Thanks for joining us. Oh, good to be back, man. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. And I I loved, um, by the way, the conversation we had last time we talked, uh, we talked about things that your pastor needs from you. That was right at the beginning of the COVID season. Remember when we thought it was all going to be done by summer last year? Isn't that funny? You know, and so we we had that conversation, but we also had a great conversation on race. And I just wanted to thank you for a great conversation, encourage anyone listening to this today to check that episode out next. It was really helpful, really valuable. Just love your voice, Julian. Love what God is doing in your church. Uh, I thank God that the algorithm on Instagram keeps you coming up on my feed all the time for some reason. So I am, I am watching, I am listening. I just, I love how you pastor. I love how you lead. So thank you for, I guess, for all that you're doing in in this season. Wow. Coming from, from you and, and leading second, that is a huge compliment because you would know, (laughs) you would know if somebody was doing well. (laughs) Well, we try, we try. So, go, you know, where I wanted to start today actually was uh, before we get to the the meat of our conversation. I wanted us to give everybody a chance to hear a little bit more about your story. Uh, you and I met when you were a second chair leader. Now you're a lead pastor of the church that you served in. Um, but we met when you were in the second chair. Uh, talk to us a little bit, uh, I guess, about your story and and the fact that you do come from the second chair. Maybe your your journey into what you're doing now. Yeah, I think um, it's been a crazy ride. Um, now would be 11 years ago, I walked into the doors of Oasis and um, um, wasn't you know, on staff or anything, didn't have a background in ministry, but uh, served um, in, in kids ministry. And interesting enough, I was always the uh, second chair leader, but through volunteers. So in sure. every ministry I've had, I was the second chair to the kids ministry, the second chair guy to the youth. <laughs> Um, and so I had a lot of experience being a number two. And so I think it helped when, uh, pastor Philip, um, which is my pastor, pastor Philip and Holly needed somebody to step up. Uh, I had only ever had second chair leadership jobs. I had up until that point, um, that's all I had done. And so, um, I will say this is that, um, 2020 is a great year for second chair leaders. Cause when I look back, mm. every time I ever got a promotion to the second chair, it came out of crisis. Mm. It didn't well, that's come true. out of someone seeing my gift. I think so many times, I think looking back, I really wanted people to see how gifted I was and give me a position of influence, but it was my calm and my response and my support to pass Philip in a time of crisis where mm. I, I ended up being promoted to the second chair when none of my, track record had shown 
that I can function in that job skill-wise, but God gave me the anointing for it because I had, a, I had an anointing for crisis. And so when my pastor's back would hit a wall, he would always call me. Um, and so that was actually how I became the executive pastor. Our church went through a big crisis and um, he gave me a, um, a shot. Crisis is, is a time where you can get a shot that maybe you wouldn't ordinarily get. And so I think I've learned to embrace crisis, if that makes sense. So I was a second chair leader for some years. And then he started processing uh, what it would, what his next season would look like. And um, I remember I asked him a few years ago, like, what does picking a successor look like? And he says, sometimes I think it looks like who's ever there when God decides that I'm, <laughs> that it's it for me. And I'll never forget that he said that. And so it was really this journey of just serving him and serving his vision. And um, I was very disciplined with not having a dream. And I think it's very important. Wow. Yeah. For second chair leaders, I was very disciplined of not having a dream. Um, and I was meditating on Acts chapter two, where it says the old men will have dreams and the young men will have vision. And I took that as a prophecy that I needed to have a vision for his dream. And I needed to lay my dreams down of what I, how I felt like God would use me. Hmm. And I felt like um, I gave him permission to have dreams with no vision and I would bring the vision um, to, to his dream. So um, I think by doing that, it just one day ended up, he said, I, he went on a sabbatical and the Lord spoke to him that he was done. And he asked me in Africa to be for my wife and I to take the legacy. So that was, uh, I walked into the church in 2010 and I was the lead pastor by 2019. So it was this nine year roller coaster of serving and laying things down and being humble and, um, you know, it, it, it's been a, it's been an unbelievable blessing. I mean, well, changed my life, man, for real. Did you ever see yourself pastoring like you are today? Or did you always think you were going to be in the, the second chair? I didn't, I, 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 I saw myself pastoring. I, I saw myself pastoring, but I also saw myself, um, you know, I, I focused more on visualizing the path than the actual purpose of the destination. So I knew that I would end up pastoring, but I knew my path was Philip and Holly Wagner. I knew it. And so when it got, when it got rough, when it got hard, I was more convicted about the path than the purpose. Oh, that's good. And I think that a lot of leaders have more conviction about purpose than the path. So when the path betrays me, I can get off the path because my purpose is to do this but I was way more convicted about the path than I was the purpose. Man. And, and has that ever been so true as, as this season? I mean, how many, how many have you seen in this season leaving the path? Yeah. You get off and, the path. Yeah. And this is the, the, the Bible says that God delights in the way of his people. He delights in the path. He delights in the direction, not just the destination, but how you got there. And so I knew I was going to pastor, but I wasn't willing to do it by getting off the path. What would you tell? I, cause I could, I could talk to you about your, your story and your journey on this all day. What would you tell second chair Julian <laughs> that, you know, now that you wished you knew then? Yeah, I think uh, I would, that's a great question. I think I would have told second chair Julian that so many of the things that I lose sleep over, God doesn't need my help about. Hmm that I really wasn't wow. going to let my pastor down, that I really wasn't going to let God down, that I really 
because some, you know, respect of your pastor can be a dangerous thing when it starts to creep into, you're afraid to let them down mm. and you stop operating in, in faith and you do the exact same job to prevent a bad outcome from happening as opposed to partnering with God for a prophetic future, you, you're just preventing negative outcomes. So I think I would have said mm. simply, but like, man, God's God, this is God's plan. You don't have to worry about letting your pastor down. You don't have to worry about letting God down. I would have definitely oh. so worried about letting him down. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, now that you're on the other side of the coin and you are, in the lead pastor role, no doubt you have uh, a whole different and better uh, perspective on the value of the second chair and the, the team around you. Uh, no doubt it means something, you know, infinitely more to you now. Um, I guess how, how do you appreciate your team and the people around you now, now that you're the one leading and, and what, what does your team do for you that really puts points on the board for you? Man, I think that um, I think that our team. First of all, I have a, an incredible team. Uh, but to be honest, you know, uh, a lot of them are better um, at a lot of different things than me. Like, if you took my comprehensive, uh, you know, skill set as a lead pastor, I have a lot of of team members who um, are way better at certain things than me. And so, I think one of the things that they they do is they operate in a spirit of humility. And I think it's very difficult to find highly skilled people who have a spirit of humility and they are, uh, they have enough faith to submit to authority because once you get your skill set and once you're a second chair leader, now you need faith to submit to authority. When we all come to Christ and our pastors are hero and we don't know anything, it's easier to submit to authority. But once mm -hmm. you have a skill set, um, Jesus said, I've never seen faith like this in all of Israel. And he was talking about a leader who was, uh, submitting to authority. And so I think for them, it's their humility, um, partnered with their skill sets that really, really, um, bless me. I don't, I don't feel like I have to worry about them going to start a church or leading some side thing or, um, their humility and their loyalty has just been something that, um, is really a blessing. Wow. That's beautiful, man. And, um, I'm, I'm, I truly believe you reap what you sow and no, no doubt, um, you are reaping so much of what you sowed in the second chair, but I, I do love what's going on in your church and with you and, um, absolutely cheering you on in that. I believe God's going to build something really special. Through can, you I, all can I say one communities. more thing about humility? Cause I think I want to be honest. Yep. You are at the point uh, and people always say that, like they're not being honest before, but <laughs> you are ch achieving the greatest level of humility if there are moments and thoughts where you can actually wonder whether or not you can do a better job than the person you're submitting to. That's wow. when real humility has kicked in when it's, when it's at war with, I wonder if I could do that better. Hmm. And it's just this honest thing where it's like, I wonder, because the enemy tries to tell you, you can do it better. I'll never forget. And this, you know, not to freak anybody out who doesn't, but I was, I was the second chair leader 
And uh, I was walking across the church and this weird looking lady says, Pastor Julian, come here. And this has never happened to me before. And I walk across the room and on the way across the room, uh, I hear the Holy Spirit say, what she's about to tell you, a demon is telling her to say it. Well, this has never happened to me before. And so I'm freaked out. I start walking to her slow. I think she's going to say something about my family. I think she's going to say something negative about me. I think she's going to try to put a curse on me. And you know what she said? She said, Pastor Julian, you are the best preacher I have ever heard. I only come to this church when you preach. I have no idea why you don't have your own church. Mm. Like if they would just let you preach all the time, this church would be packed. Think about that. Mm. Like literally the Holy Spirit said a demon is telling her to tell you whatever she's about to tell you. And obviously I didn't know what she was going to say. And what she did was she gave me a compliment. Wow. And she tried to call out a first chair leadership calling on my life early. Mm. Think about that. Like, Mm. so I just never forget that story. And um, oddly enough, it's the only time God ever gave me a warning like that and had to do with a calling and someone trying to tell me that I've deserved the first chair. Well, I've told leaders for a long time now, I said that I I set this target over my life a long time ago, um, whenever I would get the opportunity to do something at church, you know, like you just mentioned. And the target was if people, if their compliment of me, because people are nice often, you know, after you speak or whatever, um, if their compliment of me was that you sounded so much like your pastor today, you know, or in other words, alignment. I made I, I made that not not like uniqueness or um, like you just mentioned. You're so good. You're the best. But that you 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 sounded right in sync with pastor. It sounded you, you were saying exactly what pastor would say today. I kind of made that my target and my aim. And even, even now that a lot of my ministry is on the road, and if you think about it, 99% of what I do, my pastor doesn't even have eyes on now. You know, he's, he, I, I doubt he listens to my podcast. I, you know, he's not stalking me on the road when I'm out, you know, helping teams or whatever. And, but I still have made it my goal that nothing would ever get back to him other than something that was in alignment with what he would, you know, want set. And I don't know, just, just to add that in, I, I feel like, we have to get the right target on, uh, on those moments. And that really is, you're right. It's rooted in humility. Yeah, it really is. And I think that without that, then, um, whatever my team is doing for me, um, God is waiting is, is, um, just waiting to bring down, you know, whatever we build without humility, God is waiting to bring down because it says he, he humbles those who exalt themselves. So yep. it's so important. Man, well said. I I could go with you on that topic all day. And like I said last time, maybe I'll have you back again and we'll just talk about that. Um, Here's the big, the biggie I wanted to get to today. Like, like getting down to the urgent, the important, we're still in the COVID season. This, this, this era 2020 turned into 2021 already here with fireworks. God help us. You know, so we're, 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 we're in this space here for a little bit. And this is now, whether we like it or not, um, this is the terrain that we're leading in, at least for a little season here. And so I have a fire in my gut right now, like a fire in my bones to help second chair leaders, leaders in the middle, 
get it right in this season right now. It's a different day. There's a new terrain. We have some new giants, you know, that have emerged on the horizon. And so the question we're just kind of framing the rest of this conversation around is what does a healthy, effective leader look like for the coming season? And what I love about talking with you, Julian, is our notes are very thin right now. We're just going to have a conversation here. I, I, I love that you will flow because that is my preferred that is my preferred thing here. Um, but I'm just going to open it up to you, see where you take us, and let's talk from there. But the DNA of what's going to work and what is going to thrive and stay healthy, by the way, in this season has changed. I guess, what, what, what would you say getting us started into that question? Um, um, you know, I would start with the mindset. Um, you know, everything was torn down. You know, we could we couldn't gather for whatever whatever that is. And obviously, you might live in a part of the country who were, was able to gather sooner. But for a season there, no church was gathering. The temple, if you will, was closed. And so, I really begin to study that period between um, the Israel coming back from exile and trying to rebuild the temple. Yeah, me too. And I just landed on that Ezra uh, chapter three. I think it's verse thirteen or whatever. If not, it's definitely in Ezra chapter three, where it says, when they laid down the foundation of what it would look like, the people who saw the old way were weeping, bawling their eyeballs out. And the people who had never seen the old temple were rejoicing. And you couldn't distinguish the difference between the weeping and the rejoicing. And I think the first mindset that I would be is if you've been around a while and you had the opportunity to be a leader in the old way, this new thing that God is doing, this revival you're praying for, God's going to glorify himself. He always does. Um, it could bring you to tears and it could bring someone else uh, to joy. And so I think that um, if we're not willing to address that um, God didn't die to make us happy. He died to make us holy. Right. And right. this new season of church is going to be about God's presence and God's holiness and that might not be what we thought it was. It might not be your church growing in attendance. It might be your church growing in maturity and health. Um, but I think I would just say that, uh, number one, God needs us to be prepared for it not to look the way that we want it to look, right? And I think for a lot of leaders, including myself, I've had a tough time. Uh, doing that. There's a way that I think it's supposed to look. And I think that would be a, a starting point. It might make you cry, but it's good. <laughs> I, you know, I, I found that verse as well. Uh, it's so funny you bring that up. I found that verse early, early in the, the COVID season, you know, it, it says that you couldn't distinguish the, the shouts of joy from the sounds of weeping because the people made so much noise. And I thought, my God, if anything describes my Instagram feed in the Bible right now, it is, it is Ezra chapter three. There's just so much noise, you know, and, and, and good noise, bad noise, people on live doing this, doing that Insta stories being reposted and boosted. And it, um, I'm actually right now on a social media fast and reduction, and I'm going to kind of write it for a while, I think, because I think there was too much noise going on where it was like, I, I need to, I just need to hear God right now. And if that Not, scripture broke out right now, uh, if that scripture be written during this time, it would be people saying, you know, um, arguing with each other, you should be crying, you should be happy. But the reality is all those people were God's people. And yep. the reality is this election made somebody rejoice and it made somebody cry. 
this church season is making somebody rejoice and is making somebody cry. And until weeping and rejoicing can live in the same congregation uh, and we can understand and we can see each other, we're not ready to rebuild. And that would be the one thing that you're going to be rebuilding with people that are crying over what you're rejoicing. And you're going to be rebuilding with people that are rejoicing over what you're crying about. I think it's going to take a deep, deep, deep relationship with Jesus to understand that I'm worshiping next to someone who is rejoicing over something that brought me to tears. Wow. That, that is, um, that is what, what we're calling church division. Um, that would seem like the most divided service, um, um, ever. And for some reason you weren't able to tell the difference in that particular service, but I just think mm. that, um, it, we're going to have to go there. We're gonna have to go there. Oh, so good. Yeah. I, I remember, Early on in this season, I, I felt God tell me to not focus on winning the argument, but to focus on winning the neighbor. And, and that, that has just kind of been my silent, like seed in my heart, right? Like, okay. And I want to say something right now and I want to say something really bad right now, but if, if but I want to win the neighbor right now, more importantly. And so I'm going to lay down an Instagram post if it means I'm going to win a neighbor and I can't agree with you more. Yeah, and I haven't done that perfectly, but I always uh, post an apology when I don't. Like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, if I have a post that the Lord is like, "Hey, man, that post was a little sketchy," I'm like, "Okay, sorry, I'll take it down," and post an apology. Hey, everybody, growing and learning. You know, I felt <laughs> like that had some frustration in it. Whatever. So, yeah. But yeah, we pro- probably need a bit of that too right now too. Um, okay, let me ask you this because we were talking right before we pushed record, and you said something really. Brilliant. So I want to set you up for this, that we need to redefine our definition of what we call great. I loved your thought on that. I love if you would just take us there for a minute. This has been a redefining season, the great disruptor, and we need a new definition of what we call great. Would you talk to us about that for a minute? Yeah, we need a, we need a new definition of what we call great, and we need a new def- definition of who we call great. I think as a church leader, I, I've just... A couple of passages when Jesus said that um, the Ninevites will judge you because they repented at the uh, preaching of Jonah and one greater than Jonah is here. And it just always sticks out to me that I've never heard anyone in a sermon call Jonah great. Um, If we just did a survey, what do you know about Jonah? No one's going to say he was great. They're all going to say he ran from God. They're all going to say he had a bad attitude. They're all going to say that. But Jesus did not bring that up and called him great. And so I think that God wants to redefine what we call a great church, uh, what we call a great leader, what we call great faith. Even when you um, see Jesus, when he's resurrected, he says, go tell my disciples and Peter. And many people um, assume or suggest that the reason why he said and Peter, this was after Peter had denied him three times, is because if he said, just go get my disciples they wouldn't have gotten Peter. And I think this is a time for you to go get the person that you don't even think God could use. This is a time for you to go get your greatest leaders and, and that person. And so God's trying to redefine. Um, and there's this big truth movement, but God wants to make you a steward of his perspective before he makes you a steward of his truth. Hmm. Because you cannot steward the truth if you're not stewarding his perspective. Because Jesus came full of grace and truth. So he had a perspective of humanity that gave him anointing to tell the truth. 
He loved us. He like he would die for us. And so I think um, what do I think makes a great church? And I think the challenging thing is uh, some of those things um, need to be crossed out. And I would say as a leader, one of my habits is I have one to two to three times per year minimum as a leader where I thought I was right about something and God through his word or through mentorship or through leadership showed me I was wrong. If you don't have at least one to three of those leading in this time, then, then I think that you probably have a definition of greatness that needs some reshaping. Um, give you a personal example before the pandemic greatness was my church growing and you know, um, every name has a story. I get that. And I want our church to have thousands of people and I want to reach our city. But during the pandemic, I had this thought, do I want revival in Los Angeles, but only at Oasis? Mm -hmm. God, are you calling us to financially support another church that's bringing forth revival, but they don't have the structure and they don't have the ability to, to, to do that? Are you and so we, one of the things we started doing was partner with churches financially in LA and doing different things. Because I realized when I mean revival, I mean my church. I don't mean the city. I mean my church. And that was something that God's like, Hey, I can, I don't, I, I don't have to do it in your backyard. And so just taking a more pastor of the city, as opposed to pastor of my, my um, local church. And so everyone in my city should feel blessed because I'm in it other churches, um, organizations. And so that was something that God corrected me about when the church closed, I had to be more expansive of what it meant to pastor a city, um, not just a local church. Really well said, Julian. Um, if you were to name a leadership trait or two, just getting like really practical, really specific here for a minute, if you were to name a leadership trait or two, do you feel like the leaders that stay healthy and thrive in the days to come will possess? Um, I just, you know, off the top of your head and out of your heart, what do you think some of those qualities are? I think that, um, I think interestingly enough, I think um, we all desire to have all the character traits of Jesus and be perfect. Right. Right. <laughs> I get that. I have all nine and they're all great. Right. <laughs> But I do think that God chooses a character trait sometimes in every season that he demands for a leader to have. And so in the space that you're called to, right, I, I, um, I really believe that we can, can have personal sin, right? But there's a corporate sin, meaning there's something going on in this whole nation right now, and that is anxiety and fear. And so I believe in this season, God is saying, my leaders must be men and women of peace. Even David went to build God's house. And I, and I shared this on Instagram and God said he couldn't. And the reason he gave him is because you're a man of war. Your son will build it for he will be a man of peace. Mm. And he didn't rebuke David for being a man of war, but he said, you cannot build my church. And I think a lot of times it made me decide if I... I honestly believe there are justice issues in our nation that need to be fought for. Yes, of course. By fighting, am I forfeiting? Hmm. And by fighting a battle that maybe God has not called me to, am I forfeiting the ability to build? 
Because in David's fighting, he forfeited the right to build the church or build the temple that would house God's presence. And so anytime you fight, you just may as well be, because a lot of people are going to go back and after fighting, they're going to want to try to build. But God's saying, I need you to be a peacemaker, a man or a woman of, of peace. And so I think that's a big one. Another one, um, and I, we can, we can, you know, we already shared a little bit, of it, but I think um, humility, which is um, a, a high awareness of your ability while also willing to take the positions that don't align with that ability right. and all that stuff. Um, and I think a third one would be um, a, a character trait of, of, and, and I say this, like, I mean, genuine love. I mean, genuine love, like a love that isn't understandable. I think in church, we, we, um, um, we love people, but we, we don't love our enemies. We don't love the people that we deem to be enemies of what God is doing. And Jesus says, there's three things you can do for your enemy, love them, pray for them and bless them. Wow. Like love them, pray for them, bless them. And so how am I being a blessing to someone? And this is something that I've done. And a lot of people right now, I shouldn't say a lot of people because I don't have like a lot of haters, but I will say this bold statement. There is someone that there is multiple people. You're not one of them. Leading seconds are my friends <laughs> who I felt in my journey to being a lead pastor have been enemies. Wow. Didn't even know it because of how much I've blessed them. Wow. And my wife knows there are people that I felt have done things and said things to me. But if you ask that person today and you ask them about me, they would say, man, Julian, man, he's, he's been so good to me. He's been so good to my, my family. He's been so good to, to us. And you wouldn't know it because the Bible says to pray for bless and love your enemies. So when people can tell the difference between your enemies and your friends, um, I don't know if we're operating in love properly. When people from the outside can tell the difference, when they can tell who you don't like and who you're frustrated with. Man, wow. There's a lot of wisdom in that. And um, wait, you, you said the word love and it sparked this thought in me that I want to be talking about coming up. So let's just kind of see the idea now. Um Let's be honest that when we use words like love, I, I, I want to call this out for what this is just in, in our generation. When we use words like the word love, we need to realize that we as Christ followers use the word love and mean differently in using the word love than the world does. We're, 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 we're using the same word meaning different things. And here's a little thing. If I could give a little bit of my diagnosis on something, I think what has happened the last, let's just call it 20 years. Our churches have been booming, growing. We've been kind of been in this church growth era, you know, the last 15, 20 years, churches are bigger than they've ever been multi-site more than they've ever been, you know, all, all that, at least in the U S we had a bunch of people in our churches. We were all saying the same things, but meaning different things by them. And this season came through and disrupted that and revealed it. It revealed that we were all saying 
I'm not trying to open a can here. We were all saying justice, but meaning different things, or we were all saying love, but meaning different things. And so I just think it's really important for the body of Christ. We have to define our terms right now. And what do we mean by love? When we say love, what is a Christ following brand of love biblically speaking. Such a great point. Because even one of the things I taught our church that justice was, because a lot of people will march in the streets and protest, and I'm all for protesting, but, but, and they would march, and we're going to march until this person gets arrested for the killing right. of a black And I told right. our church, that's not biblical justice. The Bible right. says to bring justice to the orphan and the widow. Right. Biblical justice is not the person who did something wrong getting canceled or getting punished. Right. Justice is partnering to serve the people that the injustice affected. Boom. Yes. That's what yes. biblical justice is. So yes. until we're going to go to the orphans and the single moms and the foster kids. We're not actually doing justice. We're canceling. That's judgment. And I said, one of the things about Christians is we're always trying to bring judgment day early. Uh, it, it, <laughs> and it's not, man. Um, you really don't want the God of justice to show up, man, everyone's on the chopping block, you know? So absolutely that that's a great point. And, um, um, I will say just to even clarify that love devoid of truth is not love. Right. Right. So it's not uh, a love is not an endorsement. Yes. What people are doing. Love is a motivation of the truth that you're telling. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not because I want you to change, but because I love you. If, if my, if my ministry, if leading second leaves one bit of residue, you know, from this season, I hope to drive people deeper back into the word of God and to look, look to the word of God only for the definition for your life and for your words. And, um, I just know, and I'm not on it like some, but I just know I get too many definitions of everything coming at me on a daily basis on my phone and social media that, um, I, I need to, like, I need to drive deeper so that I'm a biblically faithful leader. And, and cause love, even as you're saying, it's multifaceted and it has nuances to it. And, it's, it's, but it's very, very, very different than the world's version of love, which is like self as authority. And you, you, you know, it, 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 it's just a different thing truth as opposed to the truth. I totally agree. With you. Uh, absolutely. So anyways, I, you, you said that, and I, I pray for any younger leader, our audience with leading second is often very young. Um, I pray for any younger leader listening, drive yourself deeper in the word right now, because you could be seeing things or hearing things and on the surface they sound right on the surface they've but they're they're coming from a different definition of love justice insert word and um, it's just important that we know the ecosystem that those beliefs are coming from come on brother man sorry i don't mean to preach back to you um what are you doing let's maybe land the plane on this one what are you doing to stay fresh in this season, just, just personally, you know, as a Christ follower. Um, and to me, to me, lead pastor, leader in the middle, whoever's listening today, 
man, we just need to stay, stay fresh. And like you've said beautifully today at rest, you know, and at peace, but what, what are you personally doing just to stay in that space as we lead in a time of crisis? Yeah, I think, um, I think, I think it, you know, I, I, I hesitate to answer this in this way because not everybody has this ability, but one of the things that I do that I, that I, um, really believe in is I believe in giving God what I have for today. And so I do not let my to-do list run me. So one of the things I'm doing to be fresh is I'm being honest about where I'm at. So if I wake up on a Monday and my eight hour work day, I can only give God my best 20%, then I'm going to go be with God. I'm going to go do the things that refresh me. And I'm going to be honest about where I'm at. And I think that's a big thing about health is that we don't feel like we, we can be honest. And I want to be able to, you know, tell, I was able to tell my pastor I was exhausted or I was frustrated or I was, and he would tell me those things. He was always honest about where he was at. And so one of my things for health is I'm going to be honest about where I'm at and I'm not going to let anything get in the way of my personal health. And I will say this, that in times of crisis, if, if health isn't the, it's only a part and not the point, it will not happen. Mm. Like it can't be the a part. It has to be the point. What good is it to gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? So right now it is the point. Like mm. the whole point of my life is health all the way from physical health, eating better. Um, you know, and I, and I have a friend of mine, Victor Haley, who's like, he, he lives by these five B's, which is your bonds, your business or entrepreneurship and ideas or the thing that you lead. Um, your bonds, of course, your relationship, your brain, what are you doing to educate yourself, your body? And I, and I really feel like these things are important. So just a holistic look, like, where am I at? If COVID-19 put on an extra COVID-19, I got addressed. <laughs> now I'm exhausted. I'm on my fifth coffee in a meeting and I'm burnt out by three. And so does that make sense? It's like yes. constant self-awareness, man, where you're like, what area of my life? Because here's what happens. I was eating Popeye's chicken, man. I grew up in San Bernardino, terrible. You know, we ate bad. So I was eating Popeye's chicken and like not feeling great, but overcompensating in my meetings and my business and my belief, my spiritual stuff. Hmm. And so I'm overleading when I'm at meetings until seven, because that's where I'm getting my value. So it's really just, I think in crisis, you got to do it every day. I think if you wow. wake up in the morning and you go... Okay, where am I at? It's Monday. You know, we love seasons in church. Like, man, I'm just in a season where, no, 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 no. COVID-19, bro, it's Monday could switch from Tuesday. It's yeah. that brutal. And I think that in crisis mode, it's daily assessments. And, and so just to give a couple of practical things, one is I do it daily now. Number two, I'm not just projective. I'm not just doing things that that can lead a result in the future i'm reflective i look back on my day so when i start my day i'm like where am i when i end my day how did that go did i get mad did i feel irritated did i these that has changed my life bro wow start wow. my day with where am i and i end my day with how did it go mm. i uh that's that's awesome and I didn't have those words, but I, I just, 
I just told somebody this morning on the phone, Julian, I said, what's been so weird for me about this season, and maybe this will just help somebody else free, just be a little honest here for a minute, is I, I feel like, number one, I feel like I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing in ministry. You know, I, 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 I feel in the absolute center of God's will for my life, for my family. Um, and yet I have a lot of Sunday nights right now where like, I get the Sunday scaries, like, you know, you know, like the, the, like, Oh, Monday's coming. And I, it has been so hard for me to figure out why, because I'm like, like God has been so faithful and so good. And, um, I, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is I'm having to keep, I've noticed this. I've, I've been having to keep really close tabs on myself in this season. And it's been unusual for me because I can usually plow and go, you know, I can, I can usually just, just make it happen. You know, used to travel 250 days a year. I mean, we were, we were just that. And I've, I've, it's been weird to be in, in that season but I've just kind of embraced it as like, I've just got to keep really close tabs on, on where I'm at and not push it when you're done, you're done, you know? And, and when it's enough, it's enough. And I'm finding, I can't say like total victory over that, but I'm, I'm finding God and his patience and his provision in that. Uh, that's such a good thing. And and I think that a lot of people don't know this one would maybe look up to LeBron James and what he's accomplished at his age. And if you ask LeBron James and the people around him, why is he able to accomplish what he's accomplishing after playing the game of basketball so long, he will tell you a lot of it has to do with his recovery. As he got wow. older, as he got older, his recovery process takes longer. His wife hates a lot of his off days because he spends eight hours a day recovering from the hour game he played. <laughs> and so as you do it longer and you're in ministry longer, you see wow. things you have to be willing to recover longer. That hour and a half, half to two hours he's on the court, he is a beast, but he has to be willing to recover longer Beautiful. than he played as he gets. And so the more that I take in crisis, the more that I take in, my faith has to say, I'm at my best. If I spend all Sunday at church, what does it look like to spend Monday recovering in God's word, in, in, in community, in family, in friends? And I think that most leaders don't have a recovery and you put a, a shorter shelf life. And this is something that the enemy told me. If the enemy can't stop your calling, he'll shorten how long you can do it. Wow. Wow. You, 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 the LeBron James got older, more experienced. His recovery process got more expansive. And so I think that um, if that's the case for him, how, how much more should it be for leaders in church? your recovery process has to get more expansive the longer you do it. Well, there's no doubt about it. We're in this and we're in it. We're in it for a clip here. And I think there's so much wisdom in, um, not trying to figure out how to get out of this season, but how do we lead and maybe even more importantly, stay healthy through this season and recover well, because no doubt with whatever's coming next, um, there's a world that's divided, broken, and hurting that needs fresh leaders in the kingdom. Like, like church leaders have never been more essential. 
and and will that's only going we're only going to get more essential um and and the kingdom to anyone listening today the kingdom just needs you in the game at your post staying healthy fighting for it just know we're all in i hope what you've heard today is that we're all in this together and we're all walking this journey together um but god god is truly sovereign and he's faithful and if he's shown up for me i know he'll show up for anyone listening today. Hey, uh, Julian, I love you so much. Thank you for your wisdom, your perspective. It means so much to me. Um, I eat it up every single time we get to have a conversation. So just, just know that I really value you and appreciate you. Um, will you do me a favor? Um, and will you just pray? I, I know this is a podcast and people are listening to it days, weeks, months later, but, but right now if someone still has this episode on all the way to the end, why don't you just pray over them? and speak speak a blessing over them. Absolutely. Father, we just thank you for every single person listening to this podcast. And I pray that this particular podcast continues to uh, expand and reach people um, who need hope, who need encouragement, and specifically for the ones who are listening to this. I just pray so strong um, that they wouldn't be afraid, that they wouldn't be afraid of failure, that they wouldn't be afraid that they um, don't have the wisdom that they wouldn't be afraid that, um, you know, things are going to not work out, but God, that they would trust you and lean not uh, on the things that they can understand as your word says. And I pray Lord, that there would be a revival in the revelation that comes from your word. Um, so that leaders can be fed. Um, the Bible talks about not having, um, living on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so, uh, I just sense so strongly that, uh, if people are feeling weak, that they would literally feed, um, on the word of God and what you have to say through your word so that they can be equipped and ready. And they have the sustenance to fulfill all you've called them to do. And God, um, for anyone who is, um, feeling exhausted, God, would, I, would they be honest? Would they be transparent about where they're at? and um, develop um, habits. Um, Lord, I just strongly hear you saying that health is all about habits. If we don't change our habits, we won't change our health. And so God, would you talk to them, speak to them specifically about the habit that's creating the issue with the health? And God, I know that you're faithful and you're gracious and you'll do it in only the way that you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For more information, check out leadingsecond.com, follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond, and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook. Facebook.